and welcome to another episode of My Favourite Game from the Honest Football Podcast. This week, we're delighted to be joined by Nima Tavale Rusari, who is the founder of Semperinter.com, the top English language Inter Milan news site. He's been nominated multiple times for the Football Blog Awards, and he's also a pundit for the Serie A show too. We talk about both of those a little bit in the episode and how he found his love for Inter Milan, and also his local club growing up, as well as his favourite games, of course. There's a couple of belters domestically, and he also talks about an international game, which is quite interesting. So I hope you enjoy what he's got to say. It's a fascinating insight into Italian football. And don't forget, if you'd like to be part of this favourite game series, just give us a message at Honest Football 3. So I'm delighted to be joined by Nima now, and we'll obviously start with a question that we ask everyone, which is going all the way back to your first experience of football. What is your first football in memory? It can be either as a fan or playing as a kid. And what do you remember about it? And what moment made you fall in love with the game? Oh, um, my first memory, my first, very first memory, I think, yeah, it's, it's uh, being five years old and watching uh, the World Cup on TV, 1986. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, Diego Maradona. <laughs> it's a yeah. good memory for most. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember it was, it was crazy, um, it, and it was actually the England game that I remember. To be honest, it was the the madness of the handball, the hand of God, and then and then his dribble. I remember watching that on TV. Uh, it, it was one of those. It was one of those moments that that stayed with you forever. Absolutely. It was a moment that most England fans remember probably in a negative way. <laughs> but it, for Diego Maradona, it probably took his height of fame beyond his footballing skills, I guess. Yes, yes. Now he was amazing. I mean, that, ga- that game was everything about him, wasn't it? And then I guess moving on to you as a child playing and supporting football teams. Tell us a little bit about who you supported growing up, how you got into supporting them. And then, of course, the youth teams you played for as well, if you played at all. Um, yeah, I uh, I was um, I started supporting my local team here in, in Sweden, IFK Gothenburg, uh, okay. and it was and it was around then eighty six, eighty seven. Uh, you know when when um, I mean I, I was one year one year old when when Sven Goran Eriksson led them to a treble, uh, <laughs> a domestic double, and uh, the UEFA Cup in eighty two. So I wasn't I, I I was too young to remember that, but I was but I did did do remember them winning the UEFA Cup again in eighty seven. Okay. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I remember that. Um, so so that they've always been my team. And then I also, obviously, getting older in the '90s when when they had you know when Ifco had uh, basically 10, 12 players who were in the Swedish national team that finished third in the World Cup in '94 and then dominating Swedish football and also uh, be you know d- just you know beating teams like Barcelona, United, uh, Milan. Galatasaray, uh, Bayern Munich uh, in the Champions League, making it to the quarterfinals. The height being the quarterfinals. Yeah, so that's you know that, that was that was in '94. So I, yeah, that's probably my most fondest memory. Yeah. Fantastic. I guess it's probably something the younger generation probably doesn't associate so much with Swedish football nowadays. I guess in my generation, it's not really happened that a Swedish side has reached the latter stages of European competitions. No, 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 and and the the bossman ruling basically uh, enabled turned it around. Before then, it was uh, the the you know it was a clubs market. Now it's a players market. The players can leave, and and the free transfer thing, um, the bossman ruling as it was known as, yeah. um, that that changed everything, and it and it really really helped the, it helped the big clubs and the big leagues and those with a lot of money. 
Yeah, it's fascinating you say that, actually, because it's something that uh, a lot of people probably don't associate with that period. But that sort of changed the shift to the sort of big leagues we have now, the four or five that constantly dominate European football. Sure did. That was that was definitely one of those. That was definitely one of the most important things uh, that happened. I, I completely agree. And then I guess maybe from a playing side, were you involved in playing as a youth player at all locally? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I started when I was a I didn't play long. I wasn't that good. I, uh, I was. Uh, I played. I think I was six uh, when I played from uh, for Gunnilsa, uh, and then a little while I played for IFK when we were like we we're talking really really small kids. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. So yeah, it's those two teams pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so again, local on that front. Oh and yeah. Then- I guess the thing that fascinates me is obviously moving up. We'll talk about your work currently in a moment. Is that you've now got into this this work with Inter Milan over in Italy? Yeah, yeah. Inter Inter were my uh, Inter were my uh, was the team that I've uh, that I supported. I started supporting them uh, in '89, and back then, you know, there was no internet. There was none of that stuff. Yeah. And uh, my aunt uh, was married uh, to a German man, and he they had a satellite dish, so they had like all these German channels and this was the 88-89 season it was in 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 the spring of 89 when Inter uh, beat Napoli with Maradona uh, Lothar Matteo scoring the goal and winning the Scudetto uh, the Italian league uh, yeah. and and that team had so many characters and I started following them and uh, used to like be addicted to teletext watching you know <laughs> say, watching the updates and so yeah Inter Inter was at, at, at probably the same time it's fantastic that one little moment or one match, just a, a random coincidence, can lead to an obsession with a football club for a lifetime. It's the beautiful oh, thing yeah. about the game. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and uh, in, yeah, so that started and that team with Bergomi, Zenga, Riccardo Ferri, Nicola Berti. Uh, you know, the, I could go on for hours. It was, it was <laughs> such a such a charismatic team. Uh, Matteus, yeah. Breme, uh, Serena. Uh, no, no, it was it was it was it was Inter de Record. It was probably one of the best Inter teams and one of the most underestimated Inter teams of all time. Because obviously they they only had that one magical season where they just destroyed everyone in the Serie yeah. A. Um, uh, they never were able to repeat the same heights again. But uh, that that season, they were just unstoppable. No one could get near them, yeah. and um, and they they pretty much mopped the floor with everyone. And they won the league in record fashion, and that's why they're called Inter Day Record or the record breaking Inter in English. That's it. Um, I guess moving forward over the last sort of, I guess, 30 years since then, been a lot of ups <laughs> and downs with Inter Milan. And I guess Italian football sort of follow suit in that regard. So I'm interested to get your thoughts on the Inter teams through the years, particularly even moving up to the modern day. Of course, potentially, we'll whisper it quietly, but possibly on the verge of a return to glory this year. Well, yes. Um, I mean, after that, uh, Massimo Moratti took over the team, uh, took over the club. Obviously, Massimo Moratti, the son of Angelo Moratti, the famous Inter president who owned the team and uh, in the 60s, winning the two European consecutive European Cups uh, back then. Um, so he bought the team. Uh, Massimo Moratti and, and he invested millions and millions upon millions into the team but Inter were unable to really take off and win a lot of titles they won they won a UEFA Cup in 98-97-98 season yeah. uh, but then but before but, but they were unable to win the Scudetto and they were like the perpetual underachievers yeah uh, and 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 then all that all unraveled when when the Calciopoli scandal broke and we realized why Inter and other teams were unable to win uh, the the Serie A 
because of what happened and you know with with Juventus being relegated to Serie B and and uh, and uh, yeah the all the scandal that followed that absolutely I guess for me I guess growing up in England I was probably high school around the time that happened with Juventus and it was probably the the moment that first most of my generation saw Italian football domestically and it obviously was quite a negative image to paint I think absolutely. I think the performance in Europe has really helped and I guess into a key to that under Jose Mourinho in the late 2000s were probably key in getting that reputation back in the UK Pro- absolutely I remember um... Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, because he, his Inter was, um, his his Inter kind of was <laughs> were able was able to to get uh, to to put Inter on top of the world. They won the treble, the first Italian teams to do the first yeah. Italian team to do that, writing history and and the way in which he won it too that entire season. He won it in the most inter way possible. It was just, <laughs> it was warfare every week, us against the world, yeah. the establishment against Inter. And, and, it, and, and he, as I said, he won it in every single way, in the most inter way possible. Um, yeah. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was painful, you know, heart gut wrenching, <laughs> heart, you know, it, the, some of those games. I mean, the Barcelona semi final, oh, you know, it's it was the famous just, game, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was just, it was, it, you know, he, he, he managed. I mean, only twice in Inter's history have you had two coaches unite everyone and everything at that club in one direction. It's Helenio Herrera and Jose Mourinho. And, and that's why, you know, everyone, it was, it was a united front in a way that has never, I've never seen the likes of. Yeah, and I guess one of the most famous moments probably after that season was then when when it was announced he was going to be leaving and you had the images of him in tears, this ice-cold man, and he was with in Materazzi, tears. Yeah. Yeah. With, with Materazzi, yeah. With Materazzi, yeah. No, I, 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 I mean, he, we know, I mean, he loves the club and he, he, he there is love between Inter and him and there will, it will always be there. Uh, and I think that's kind of the reason why I don't think he wants to come back. And He's got nothing to win by coming back. He He wrote history and... He would only risk. It's not worth the risk. Obviously, I I would have wanted to have him back. I I preferred he never left, but but um, it, it was it was for the best. I think that he doesn't come back. Yeah, I agree. To be honest, and then moving on to the modern day. Obviously, you're now taken charge by Antonio Conte, who was obviously famous over here with Chelsea again a few years back. Um, and obviously some big money and big name signings coming in, particularly this summer and also the last summer as well. Give us your thoughts on the current day side. No, it's this is a new Inter. This is this is modern football Inter. I mean, up until the point where, um, you know, Antti Massimo Moratti sold the club, uh, you had this uh, this uh, Indonesian uh, uh, mogul uh, Eric Tohir come in, and basically all he all his entire purpose of buying a club was to was not to bring the club to any any big places. It was just basically to sort out the finances so they look good on paper so he could you know he could ship you know ship off his ownership of the club to someone else at a profit and that's exactly yeah. what he did uh, to Suning who are the biggest I mean one of one of the what is a fortune 500 company it's one of the biggest companies in China they Absolutely. are they are um, they are massive in 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 sports rights and and, and it's it's a brand new field that they want to be dominating in in China and all of Asia and so um 
yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much uh, after they took over. They basically have gone in there and they've modernized everything. They they've taken Inter to to being the forefront of uh, of being a, a football club that commercial that that under that that is successful off the pitch, uh, much yeah. more successful off the pitch as it is on the pitch. They've taken the revenue streams to completely different heights and new heights and new new levels, and it's. It's it's remarkable with the work that these people have done in less than four years. It's absolutely amazing. I think they are the best thing to have happened to Inter since the treble. I've always said that, and I firmly believe that they are they are absolutely amazing. They are absolutely brilliant in what they do. Absolutely agree. And obviously, there's always a lot of skepticism. I guess based on some of the scandals in Italy in recent years, and with the Italianolas over here in England, there's always that little bit of uh, skepticism when there's a new takeover, and it happens at every club in England as well. But I guess over in Inter, they've got the the perfect ownership there, it seems. And it could all be proven right this year if they are able to win the title for the first time in a number of years. Yeah, I, d- I don't. To me, that is, like, you know, Inter winning, this, Inter winning the title talk. That's, that's, that's fair, you know, that's fairyland talk because yeah. it's Juventus <laughs> title to lose. No, it's in, Inter's job this season is to is to limit the distance to Juventus. And they have done that. And I think they will do that. Finished second or third within five, six points. Try to win a title in the Coppa Italia. Going through to the group from the group stage of the Champions League was a goal, but they failed to do that. Um, so so now it's all about, you know, it, you know it, it's about doing really well in the Serie A and to be able to mount a serious challenge and push Juventus to the very end. Yeah. But we all know the longer it goes on, the quicker those dreams start to come alive and the sooner people think, can we do it this year? But we'll have to wait and see on that front, I guess. For sure, for sure. Um, and then moving on, I guess we want to talk about your work you're doing. I guess as a, you've got one of the top inter-news sites in English language, been nominated multiple times for the football uh, for the football blog award. Sorry. Talk to us a little bit about how you got into that. Well, uh, I started that in February 2012. Um, I uh, basically, growing up, there was no Inter news site about, you know, there was no news site yeah. about Inter. When I was a kid, I used to remember, <laughs> I remember I used to take my uh, my weekly allowance and I used to buy the Gazeta dello Sport, which is a pre- <laughs> the, the actual paper, which was yeah. a day old by the time we got to Sweden. <laughs> and I used to look at the images and pretend that I understood what they were, you know, what they were writing. <laughs> So, um, but then, you know, then I started, then I learned Italian in, in, in high school and, um, and, and then I moved over to Italy to learn Italian at university properly. And then since then I was, I was able to read and, and, and then we, we got into 2012 and I saw that, look, there, there is no news site, you know, that's when the fan, the fan media started to kind of begin. And, and I saw that there was nothing out there on Inter, Inter. there was absolutely nothing out there in, in, in English in, uh, on Inter. And, and so, uh, we, we, we decided to, to set it up and, 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 you know, work hard to bring it to where it is now. And then I guess moving on also as a, as a pundit now for the Serie A show as well. And you're actually in that one, you're alongside Chloe Beresford at times, and she's actually booked to come on here in a few weeks' time. So I'll be interested to get your differing views on Italian football. But talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, basically, John Solano, he contacted me and Chloe, and he said, look, guys, I think we should, you know, I want to do a pod podcast, but but we, I don't, you know, I want to do it with you two. And, and we we also, we all thought it was good because we all knew each other since before, but we never had worked each other. And, and we decided how to do it, and we recorded an episode, and we just had so much fun. It was just 
uh, we really, really hit it off, and we really enjoyed working together. We all enjoyed talking, and even if we don't agree, uh, you know, it's it's it, we're very like we're very we're very mature. We're we're not you know eighteen twenty year olds. We're a bit older. And therefore, we do we 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 can take a joke and we can take the banter and yeah. and I mean the last when we started this last February January, all our teams were hemorrhaging and they looked like an absolute disaster earlier. So it was <laughs> so it was basically like a weekly therapy session where we were kind of just <laughs> so moaned. many of these are <laughs> yeah. So we just moaned about how everything was going wrong, um, and no, we had fun. We had a lot of fun with that, and we still do. And that's what we do. I mean, we talk about you know we we talk about it from so many different angles, and it the, the format of the show is a conversation uh, yeah. between three friends, pretty much. I guess one of the things that we probably found appealing about it and one of the reasons we reached out to you guys to come on the podcast is because the the thing we love about it is it's it's talk about football. There's so many shows and stations, I guess a bit in the mainstream media as well now, where it's a talk about the, the off-the-pitch instances all the time. It's a talk about controversial matters, but your show seems to be very focused on the football, the bit that the fans really care about. Yeah, we do. And um, we obviously, we, we do address, uh, I mean, when you have referee, you can't talk about the, the, the Serie A and not talk about uh, refereeing decisions Absolutely. being controversial. It's part of the yeah. culture. But we, we try not to get bogged down too much in, in, in just yammering on about that. Uh, and we try to, to kind of put things into to a bit wider perspective, yeah. so so we're, we're, I'm really happy to hear uh, you uh, that you that this comes across because that's something that we've done a lot, that we've done on purpose. Oh, absolutely, it definitely comes across. And then for anyone listening and watching, of course, down in the description, there's a link to all of your fan sites, channels, and the Twitter pages. So make sure you go and check them out. Cheers. But then moving on to the big question, which is the the name of the podcast, which is my favourite game. We obviously ask each guest which their favourite football match was. Now, this can be as a fan. This can be for you as a pundit, of course. But what is your favourite game? If there's anyone that stands out over all your time watching football and what's the reason for it? Is it on the pitch matters or is it something going on off the pitch? Was it just an experience of going somewhere? So tell us your favourite game and why. It's a bit difficult to choose because uh, there's so many of them that mean so much. Um, but but I, 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 I think, I mean, I kind of divide it up into one as a fan and one as a pundit kind of working there. And, and I was at the stadium uh, at the Giuseppe Miazza when Inter beat, uh, it was a Milan derby. It was this famous, it was a famous game when the uh, Inter's Curva Nord had this amazing tifo of uh, the, uh, the 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 little statue of the the Madonna and and, yeah. and it says non te um, non to oh what was it said it was something about non ti dominate Milan or something you dominate Mil- in Milan in Milanese yeah. dialect and it was uh, that game it was Latan Ibrahimovic's last game so far I might say because it seems like he's coming back there are some rumors <laughs> yeah and he scored twice Diego Milito scored three goals and Mike on ended it with an absolute screamer yes. from uh, you know that that entire week was pretty cool um and uh so so yeah that that would be as a pundit but as a fan i'd I'd have to say that um uh iran you know obviously because of my heritage iran beating uh, the united states in france 98 was out of this world it's a special moment i guess for the I, i know obviously you were probably were you living abroad at the time of that game yeah, no, I live in uh, I live in Sweden. I'm raised in Sweden, so I watched. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I didn't live. I didn't see it in Iran. I saw I it. Guess, I guess the the pride though internationally. Did did you feel it? Were you able to to get a grasp of how much it meant to the nation? 
Oh, God, yeah. Every Iranian in the world was watching that game. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt about that. I mean, people who don't even care about football. My grandmother was watching the game. <laughs> I guess that's the beautiful thing of a World Cup, isn't it? Is that no matter whether you're a football fan or not, whether you're just a casual fan, whether you're with your family, I guess your family would never normally watch football games with you. But when it's a World Cup match, the whole family comes together and just watches a football game and it can be a brilliant yeah. experience. Yeah, I think that was really big. But 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 uh, it's kind of hard because I'm thinking back to so many big games. But I have to say the, 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 the qualifying to that World Cup 98 against Australia, the, the return leg, where Australia absolutely... You know, the first game in Tehran ended 1-1. Uh, the return leg was at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Yeah. Uh, and Australia completely mopped the floor with Iran in the first 45 <laughs> minutes, 2-0. I mean, it was Iran were lucky that they were 2-0 down. Yeah. <laughs> um, then, then, then the net, is, then the goal is broken. The, the net, uh, the, the, Iran's goal is broken. It's a 10-minute break to fix it. And uh, Iran come out of the game and they score one and then they equalize 2-2. And it was just the drama was just wow. No, it was that, that, that is one of my. I, I remember people, our relatives calling from Iran and crying, and, and people were going mad. It was absolutely crazy. And it's amazing. And it, I guess it's the best part of football the effect that football can have that it just, whatever problem you may have, well, however you may be feeling that day, one game of football can change the way you feel for the rest of the day and the rest of the week normally. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It was, it was those two Iran games. But obviously, the, I mean, the best football match I've ever watched was the semi-final between Germany and uh, Italy in the World Cup 2006. Oh, that is a fantastic. Game. That is, that is, that is. I remember because that generation of Italian football players, they, they had come so close, but they never met, were able to win anything. Uh, yeah. And obviously, Baresi and Maldini had had retired, and they, you know, they were they weren't able to win. Um, and I thought it was such a shame, but but that was the final chance for Cannavaro, Nesta, Pirlo, Totti, all these players, all these Buffon, all the all these fantastics, uh, yeah. all these fantastic players, and and that that semi final was just two world class teams, two teams that know each other inside out, going at each other's, and it was just beautiful. It was, I mean, whenever Germany and Italy play, it's always a good game. Yeah, but I mean, historically speaking, and and and. And that one was one for the ages. I think that is the best one I've seen. Uh, that's certainly a game I remember, even from my teenage years. I absolutely loved it. And I, I guess that was a pretty good World Cup in general, aside from being an England fan, of course. But so many <laughs> wonderful memories in football. And the fact that it's so hard to narrow down to one game, which is probably the best part of this series, is having to think so long about what is actually the favourite game. There's been so many. So it's so good to hear that you've got three, four, five that it's so hard to choose between. Yeah, I mean, and obviously the Barcelona, uh, Inter-Barcelona Champions League first leg 3-1 at the San Siro was, was magical. Yeah. It was absolutely magical. It was, it's right up there. It's, it was, it was, it was, the, it was all the angst and all the, all the feelings of, of, of being disappointed and all the tears and all that. It was as if all of that kind of, Man, you know, it all kind of, it was like a volcano of, of angst that erupted in 2010 yeah. for all Inter fans. And, and that game, the, the final itself was not, I don't, I don't, you know, that's not one of those games I remember too much against Bayern Munich. What I do remember is are the games against Chelsea, the return leg against yep. Chelsea, um, the, the first leg of the semi-final against um, against Barcelona, and also the Dinamo Kiev game, the one, the game that, in my opinion, Inter turned it around 
that's where they kind of laid the groundwork to win the win the Champions League uh, when 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 they were one 0 down in the 88th minute and they scored two goals in three minutes and win it and and it's like people were were just you know it was it was it was one of those games where it was just it was it was too it was too crazy. So <laughs> no, it's just classic Inter, isn't it? I mean, this team always does it to us. It's it is Inter, that's why the club is called Pazza Inter, crazy Inter, because. <laughs> It, no other club can. I mean, the only club, if you look at the mythology surrounding a club in England, I'd say that Tottenham, Tottenham fans understand what Inter fans understand or go through because they are perpetually also underachievers. But yeah. no other club can snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, <laughs> and vice versa, like Inter can and Tottenham. I mean, yeah. what happened? What happened against Ajax was the that was the most Inter thing I've ever yeah. seen in my life. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> There's so many parallels. Actually, uh, that's what I thought going up to the final. There were so many parallels to that Jose Mourinho campaign. But obviously, in the final, it all went the opposite way, unfortunately. Because even yeah. from the group stages, they looked down and out at one stage. Yeah, exactly. No, no. It was for me. Spurs. That Spurs team just reminded me so much of Inter. This, 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 this madness. This utter madness. The game against City was just crazy. That that that, that doesn't happen. Yeah. And then you have, and then you have that. You know, that was just. You know what happened against uh, Ajax away was just. I don't know what to call that. That was insane. That was <laughs> that was other level of madness. That, that that to me is that 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 is the most Inter game I've ever seen without it actually being Inter because that's what that's how Inter behaves that's what Inter put they put their fans through the ringer uh, we're all you know we're all kind of masochists I mean I remember when um, uh, Inter's former owner <laughs> uh, Massimo Moratti his his wife is a in, in, you know she's a, she Emilia Moratti who I had the pleasure of interviewing once she said um, she said she's an environment she's an environmental activist and she said well look Massimo I know that you run Inter and you love it but you know think of what we could do with all that money we could have you know alleviated suffering and we could have you know we could have you know we could have stopped so much suffering and he says yeah that's true but we fans suffer a lot as well as Inter fans <laughs> like <laughs> It's the perfect and, answer. Yeah, and, and and then she realized that she was dealing with a nine-year-old basically, yes. rather than rather than her husband on this particular issue. And 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 it's it's he and that's the thing. He was the last fan president yeah. in the world. I'd say. I mean, he was in love with that club. I mean, there are stories of him uh, when at the training ground when they signed Brazilian Ronaldo when everyone was away, that he he stood there. And you know, hit crosses to Ronaldo, who hit them on the volley. They were just playing around, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's just had the fans' dream, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he really was. He he was a fan. He really was. And for everything he did for Italian football and Inter, it's you know, he made a lot of mistakes because he ran the club like a fan and not yeah. like a professional business. And in the age of the modern game, that that's not a doable business model. Absolutely. But 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 for everything he did, uh, you know. There, there is no. I mean, usually, I mean, the UEFA never gives Champions League medals to club presidents, but they made an exception with him because there was, you know, he deserves it if anything. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I guess, I guess it's a perfect way to end. Obviously, your your love for Inter Milan comes through very clearly. I guess the the ups and downs the club has provided are probably those of not many clubs can offer as you mentioned so it's obviously a wonderful club to follow 
Um, a massive thank you for coming on and talking about your favourite games. And particularly, I guess it's quite nice that you had an international one and a domestic one, which is something we've never had before, I think, an international game. So a massive thank you for coming on and talking about it. And we can't thank you enough for, for giving us the time and for giving us such a great insight into Italian football too. My pleasure, guys. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you very much enjoyed it. If you did and you're watching on YouTube, please like, share and subscribe for regular content from the Honest Football Podcast. Let us know in the comments what you thought of the favourite games. You can, of course, follow us on Spotify if you're listening there too. We'll have regular bonus interviews and content on that platform. And you can follow us over on Twitter at HonestFootball3. We'll have updates about upcoming episodes and interviews. But for now, a massive thanks for watching again. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>